Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today I would like to present a special edition of Single Living. We have the keynote speech of the Santa Cruz Singles Convention, recorded on November 5th, 2005, which was given by David Steele, the author of Conscious Dating, Finding the Love of Your Life in Today's World. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss, to make the introduction. going to hold up a copy. It's a brand new book, just came out this year. It's called Conscious Dating, Finding the Love of Your Life in Today's World. And the gentleman who wrote this book is a guy who knows what he's talking about because he's been in the business for a long time. This guy is not only a relationships counselor, he actually trains relationship counselors. In fact, he's trained over 5,000 relationship counselors all over the United States and uh, they're doing great work advising single people and couples on how to have great romantic relationships. And the product of all of his years of research and working with all these therapists and working with singles and couples is this book. And also, he has a CD here which is called Conscious Dating for Relationship Success. And he's got a special deal for you tonight. Anybody wants to get a good deal, you get the book and the CD. And what did you say? Only 20 bucks, can't beat it. So if you're interested, obviously you don't want to buy it right now, you've got to audition the author first, make sure you like his ideas, and if you do, make sure you leave tonight with a copy of his book and a copy of his CD. Anyway, the topic for tonight is escaping the 14 dating traps. Would you please give a very warm Santa Cruz County welcome to our keynote speaker for the Santa Cruz Singles Convention, Mr. David Steele. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. I want you to stay up here for a minute. Stay up here for a minute. I want to acknowledge this man because I was reading on his website today. I mean, I've known Rich for a long time, and I've been an advertiser in the possibilities for a long time. But I read your website today, and I found out for the first time this man runs the largest nonprofit singles organization in the world, which he founded in 1978 which is the year I got started. So I am just in awe of who you are and what you've accomplished. And I'm honored that you brought me here tonight. Thank you, Rich. Hell of a compliment. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Good evening. Welcome. You know, I'd like to start tonight by asking you to set your intention. I'm a coach. I help people get what they want in their life. And we have to have a clear goal or intention. So rather than showing up here because, oh, whatever, I didn't have anything better to do, I would like you to keep in mind right now, think of what your intention is for being here. Why are you here? What is your purpose? What do you want out of tonight? This is how we are successful in our life, by having a clear intention. So think of that right now. I know you are, because you just can't resist it. The minute I say the word, intention, what is your intention? It's going to come to you. And then what I want you to do is to breathe into your intention, like a balloon, inflate it like a balloon. Just breathe into it. 
and you will be successful. 45 minutes, I'm talking to you and what do I say and what do I want to leave you with? I thought about that for a long time. I want to rock your world tonight. I want your life to be different as a result of this 45 minutes. And it starts with your intention. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rich? Where are you? Well, you tell Rich. Oh, man, Rich has outdone himself tonight. This isn't just any ordinary group. This is a group of royalty. A group of kings. A group of queens. Royalty is here tonight. This is not just a group of singles. Oh man, he put one over on me. What am I going to do? Do you know about kings? Oh, you know about kings. You are kings and queens. Being royalty, you do not have a life. Really, your life is not your own. You are very powerful, but you use that power for the benefit of others. Unless you're a tyrant. And then, you use your power at the expense of others, but you don't last long. You get deposed. If you're a good king and a good queen, you use your power for the benefit of others. How many here have kids? I got six. <laughs> Including twin boys, seven years old. How many here are supervisors at work, managers, or employers have people under you? How many here have elderly parents or relatives that you are taking care of and responsible for? Is there anybody here that has not raised their hand so far? Okay, let's keep on going. Is there anybody here that volunteers their time or helps others and it is your intention and you show up in action to make a difference in the world? Is there, is there anybody yet that has not raised their hand? We have a room of kings and queens. You are powerful beings. Robin, your majesty, Queen Robin of, and where do you come from? Capitola. Of the Republic of Capitola. <laughs> Her Majesty Queen Robin. Kevin, where do you come from? Ooh, I'll say Santa Cruz County. Santa Cruz County. His Majesty King Kevin from the National Republic of Sovereign Republic of Santa Cruz County. Kings and queens. So what I'd like you to do is to meet each other because it is not usual. It is actually rare for kings and queens to get together. We are usually live very isolated lives taking care of others, doing our thing, taking care of our lands. We're at the disposal of our subjects all the time. Our subjects want our attention all the time. Dad, dad, dad. Mom, uh, sir, uh, a minute of your time. 
our subjects need us and they look at they look up to us they think we're so powerful they're in fact they're a little bit envious and jealous they want to be like us I can't wait until I'm a dad and I get to tell my kids what to do well only you know how hard and isolating it is to be powerful it's a responsibility you can't put it down even on vacation you feel responsible for something or somebody it's hard to relax you ever feel that way raise your hand if you feel that way so it's tough to be a king it's tough to be a queen and it's rare that we get together so here we are we are together I'd like you to meet each other greet each other and if you want to play along with me you say your majesty Carolyn it's a pleasure to meet you I am King David from the National Republic of Campbell So what I'd like you to do is to meet each other, just greet each other as kings and queens see the beauty and the power in each other. And I especially want you to meet the person directly behind you that is watching your back. I have a reason for that. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Especially meet the person directly behind you. But please, greet each other. Say hello. Okay, your majesty, kings and queens, the royalty here tonight. We are royalty. We are special. And now that you've met one another, especially the person directly behind you, Rich mentioned that I wrote this book, Conscious Dating. It took me eight years to write. Why? Why did it take so long? It's tough to figure out. But I think I have it mostly together. But I, Rich taught me a few things tonight. The old dog still has a few tricks up his sleeve. But conscious, dating, conscious, what does that mean? Okay, to be conscious okay awake aware paying attention understanding life yourself what goes on around you to be conscious you're a conscious being right is that is that about what you think like being conscious is like well you know I think there are at least three levels of consciousness to make this simple and clear so we have conscious and then we have semi-conscious, or is it semi-conscious? I don't know. How do you say it? How many here say, would say semi-conscious? How many of you are like me and say semi-conscious? Okay. That's the way I'm going to say it. Then there's being semi-conscious. Now, semi-conscious is dangerous because we think we're conscious. We really do. Like the, the people that are driving on the highway, talking on their cell phone, and they think they can drive and talk on the cell phone at the same time. They really do. Can they? Not always. Or, I got a story for you. I was a semi-conscious seven-year-old boy, same age as my twins.
I was riding my bike in downtown San Carlos where I grew up. And I was in an alley. And I was about to cross the street. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to pedal as fast as I can and I'm going to get across that street before the cars can even see me. I mean, this is true. It's real. I mean, if you look in the archives of this uh, paper in San Carlos, you'll see a headline, seven-year-old hit by car. That was me. I really thought if I pedaled as fast as I could, I would beat the cars across the street. I bombed out of the alley so fast I couldn't see anything. I didn't see the car right in front of me. He didn't hit me. I hit him. I was a semi-conscious seven-year-old. Being semi-conscious is dangerous because you think you know what's happening. I've been married and divorced twice. Each time I was married, I thought I knew I was doing. I thought this is for life. For real, when I took my vows, it was absolutely 100% for real for me. How about you? You been there? Yeah. But I guess, I mean, you know, how many people get married and take those vows and they think, well, okay, well, I'll say I do until, you know, something doesn't work. Uh, well, we'll be married until we get divorced someday. I haven't talked to anybody that really plans to get divorced someday. So I've been married and divorced twice. For me, the third time's a charm. Because first two times I was semi-conscious. Being semi-conscious is dangerous and it's costly. So we got conscious, semi-conscious, and then there's, you know what's coming next? Unconscious. Now that's when you're awake, but you're really asleep. You're really not paying attention. You know, you ever, you ever been reading a book and then you realize that you aren't even reading the words anymore? You're awake, but you're not paying attention anymore. You ever drive in your car and miss your freeway exit? Just because, you know, you're driving along, boom, 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 boom. Oh, just not paying attention. A couple months ago, I was giving a one-day training in Little Rock, Arkansas. And at the end of the day, I go to the men's restroom to do my thing. And, okay, I'm going to get a little graphic now. I... I went to, to unzip my zipper to find out it was already unzipped. <laughs> I had done the entire training, seven, eight hours in front of a group of people like you, like this, with my zipper down, totally unaware, unconscious. I was awake but I was not paying attention. So, conscious, semi-conscious, unconscious. So, let's see how you are tonight. You remember I wanted you to especially meet the person behind you? Okay, looking at me, don't look around right now, look at me. 
and tell me if you can remember, raise your hand if you can remember their hair color. Not bad, about half, okay? And I'm sure I could ask some more questions until you can say, you know, well, no. Uh, how many, raise your hand if you remember the color shoes they're wearing. Okay, a little tougher. You weren't conscious of that, were you? It's impossible to be conscious of everything all the time. It is normal, it is human nature. We will be conscious sometimes, semi-conscious sometimes, and unconscious other times. We will. So, let's forgive ourselves for not being fully conscious all the time. And do the best we can, because I've found that what really helps is to be aware that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So if you're going to pay a little bit better attention, then we'll do a little bit better. So it took me two marriages to finally apply that to my relationships. Okay, what am I missing here? I'm a marriage and family therapist. I've been doing this since 1978. Obviously, I have a lot to learn. What is it? And it's the stuff that I put in the book. It's the stuff they don't teach you in school. It's the stuff they didn't teach me in school. So, what I'd like you to do now is I imagine there are some people in this room that haven't met some other people in the room. So I'd like all the guys to stand up. Please, stand up guys. Okay? Now guys in the back of the room, what I'd like you to do is come to the front of the room and find a seat. Guys in the front of the room, go to the back of the room. Find a seat. Change places. This is your chance to sit next to somebody that you might like to meet. Let's mix it up. Okay, people standing in the back, we're going to have a little fun in just a minute or two. It would be great if you could come up and find a seat and sit down and join us. I promise you it'll be worth it. Promise you. People in the back, come forward, find a seat and join us. I promise you it'll be worth it. My name is David Steele. And I don't have a name tag because because I'm the speaker. The speaker never has a name tag. If you are standing in the back, I think you will find it to your advantage to sit down and join us, truly. Now remember I mentioned the most dangerous form of consciousness is semi-consciousness. When we think we know what we're doing, but we really don't. I have my favorite story to tell you about that. It's true. You might not believe it though, but it's true. I love sailing. I love being out on the water. How many of you are sailors, boaters? Yeah, we're in the right place here in, along the coast. So I had a 26-foot sailboat and it was birthed in Redwood City, California. And be, in the week between Christmas and New Year's, I wanted to go sailing to Monterey. And if you know anything about sailing, it's slow. 
we're talking three, four, five, you know, 10 miles an hour knots at most. It's slow. So I chose a time when the tide was going out of San Francisco Bay four knots. It was a four knot ebb tide. The, the, the water was going out of San Francisco Bay at the speed of four knots. It's a really fast ebb tide. So it was 10 o'clock at night in the week between Christmas and New Year's. I get in my boat, I crank up my jazz tunes, I have a sleeping bag around me, it's really cold. I have my thermos of coffee, I get out of the channel, I put up the sails, I turn off the motor, it has an outboard motor, and I'm sailing like you wouldn't believe. It's like 15 knots over the bottom, it's like amazing. It was the best, most exhilarating sailing experience of my life. And I'd only taken sailing lessons about three months before. So this was my first big shakedown cruise, okay? But I'd gone out on, on day sails, and I, you know, I spent a lot of time on my boat, and I'd studied that book, and I, I knew what I was doing. And I had charted those tides. I knew exactly what time to leave, and I knew exactly when I would get, get up to San Francisco. I was not prepared for how beautiful it was going to be. Wow. Just after Christmas, San Francisco lit up with lights. Alameda, Berkeley, Sausalito, it's all lit up. The stars are shining. Oh, it's beautiful. And I'm tripping out on the lights, and I'm tripping out on my jazz music, and this wind is filled with sails, and the ebb tide is just carrying me out of, you know, up the bay. I made a trip that usually would take eight hours from Redwood City to San Francisco. Be about eight hours of sailing. It took me four. About two o'clock in the morning, I was in San Francisco. Wow, this is wonderful. And I turned the tiller, 26-foot boat, it had a tiller though. Turned the tiller, so my bow was towards Golden Gate Bridge. All lit up, beautiful. My bow's on Golden Gate Bridge, my wind's in the sails, my jazz music is, is, is playing, and I'm tripping out on the lights. Oh boy, life doesn't get any better than this. And I'm sailing, and I'm sailing, and I'm sailing. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I notice Alcatraz. I notice Alcatraz is on my right. Okay, there's Alcatraz. I'll be past Alcatraz in just a minute, the way I'm going. I'm not passing Alcatraz. I'm in front of Alcatraz. The wind's in my sails. I'm, trip I'm not going past Alcatraz. What's going on? I was about 10 feet away, about this far away, before I realized what had happened. You know what? Water and currents and tides, they don't go like roads, streets on a map. You know, it's not like you can go north to San Francisco and hang a left out the Golden Gate Bridge. It doesn't work like that. I was caught in a very strong ebb tide current. I intentionally chose it because, it, you know, it would get me up there fast. But it worked against me. I ended up crashing into the rocks of Alcatraz because I was semi-conscious. I really honestly thought I knew what I was doing. That, and you know, it was fine. You know, it was mild conditions, and the boat just kind of sat on the rocks. And, you know, I was stuck. I wasn't going anywhere. I called the Coast Guard. They towed me off. It, it busted the rudder, but, you know, everything's fine. But it was an expensive lesson. And this week of sailing I wanted to do between Christmas and New Year's, I had a great four-hour sail. 
semi-conscious. So that's my favorite story. That is, that is my wake-up call that, wow, life doesn't work the way I think it should. It works the way it works, and I better pay attention. So what I'd like you to do is to, to share your own unconscious story or semi-conscious story with each other. You're sitting around some people, just turn towards each other, and just share a story, your favorite story, just tell on yourself. It's fun, like I'm telling on myself. You don't have to share anything you don't want to. You don't have to share anything you don't want to. And now here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. When you're done, I'm going to give you about three to five minutes for that. When you're done, I'm going to ask for nominations. I'm going to ask for nominations. And if you heard a story that you think is great, it's wonderful, it's funny, everybody else should hear this story as a great illustration of unconscious behavior or semi-conscious behavior, and you want to nominate that story, first, get permission from the person that told the story. Okay? You need permission first. And if you got permission, then raise your hand, and I will call on you, and you will come up, and here's what I'm going to do. My goal is I'd like to hear three of them. I'm willing to give away a copy of my book to the nominee and the nominor. Okay? I want to hear great stories. I got six books up here that I'm going to give away. Are you ready? So have some fun, share some stories, and then let's check in with each other in about three to five minutes. A great story about a time that you were unconscious or a time that you were semi-conscious. I told you about mine. Let's hear from you. Okay, guys, I'd love it to have three great stories. I'd love to give away six books. Raise your hand if you want to nominate a story. Who heard a great story you think everybody else should hear? Great illustration of semi-consciousness. Yes, you, you have permission? Come on up. And the person you nominated too, come on up. Oh, by the way, you don't know this yet. I'm about to tell you this. But you are the first real live singles to touch this book. This book is hot off the press. People in my organization have read it. This is the first live event that this book is being introduced to. So I'm honored to have you here, honored to share this with you. And you're the first real-life singles to touch this book. Wow. Okay. 
So, let's hear this story. Well, I think I better tell it because <laughs> it was a story that happened to me. Um, I was living in Canada on Vancouver Island, and I was in a relationship that. Come on, guys. support her. <laughs> you nominate her. Come on, Nina. Okay. Exactly. So. I was in a relationship that uh, I would say I was semi-conscious, trying to be conscious, but semi-conscious. And something occurred which um, I think was a real metaphor uh, for my relationship. Um, I was driving along the island highway, it's a two-lane highway, and I noticed a vehicle off in the distance coming, you know, just as cars do. And this car was weaving a little bit, but of course half of me was thinking about errands I had to run, the other half was you know, watching this vehicle come weaving in and out, and it wasn't until it actually got really, really close did I notice that several cars in front of me were pulling off to the side. And um, all of a sudden, this car just came across the road and plowed straight into me and knocked me into the ditch. And uh, luckily it kind of careened and went along the side, and so it didn't hit me head on. And I jumped out of the car because I certainly thought someone had had a heart attack or they never put on any brakes. And I ran over to the vehicle to help the person that was in the, in the car. And you can imagine my just shock that there was no one in the vehicle. Absolutely no one in the vehicle. And I, I just stood there and someone said, do they need help? Should we call an ambulance? And I said, there's no one in the vehicle. There's no one driving the car. The car was loaded with clothes and household items and there was no one in the vehicle. And they came running over and everyone looked in and they were <laughs> as shocked as I was. And so, um, you know, apparently this was being towed and it had come <laughs> unhitched. <laughs> yeah. If, if you would have been fully conscious, right. would you have done it anything differently? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. What would you have done? Uh, well, years earlier, I probably wouldn't have been in that relationship, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just it's a learning experience. But <laughs> Let's give her a hand. Great story. That is a new one on me, the car that had no driver. Let's hear another one. Come on, I want to give away a book. Great story. Who's heard one? Raise your hand. And do you have permission? Come on up. Brave people, thank you. The third real life single person to touch this book. And the fourth. Okay. Who's going to tell the story? Uh, Connie and I were sitting next to each other and we were talking about unconsciousness and um, I sort of said, well, the biggest thing after your story was uh, leaving point A, going to point B in, you know, like an hour or two and not remembering having driven from the two points, you just sort of arrived. And Connie goes, oh yeah, I had uh, experience <laughs> uh, like that. And she says, um, years back, she had just broken up, coming out of a relationship, was leaving uh, New Mexico, heading for San Jose, but never arrived because she kept circling, camping, and staying in motels for a week and a half in Utah. <laughs> 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 
And uh, I said, okay, that's a pretty long time. So uh, <laughs> more than a couple hours. And, and then finally the family was trying to get a hold of her and, and, and asked, well, where are you? She says, well, I'm on my way to San Jose, which is a song. And, uh, but she says, I think I'm in Utah still. <laughs> so I've never known anyone that was lost out for that amount of time. Um, almost as good as your Alcatraz. <laughs> and if you were fully conscious... What would you have done differently? I would have pulled out the map. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a guy thing. Great story. Thank you. One more. What? Come on down. Aren't we funny? Don't we do funny things when we're not fully conscious? Shannon, you are the, you are the fifth. Real live single to touch my book. Take it, it's yours. But it should be Jude's because it's really her And the sixth, Jude. And who wants to tell the story? It's Jude's story, but I'm telling it. Can you hold the book for me? Sure. What are you? All right. So Jude's driving again. Another driving story. Interesting that we're all unconscious while we're driving. But she's driving home from work after a long day sitting at her computer where she's doing some graphics. And if you just click on the pixel, the image disappears. Am I right so far? Right. Okay. So she's driving along and these cars are trying to merge in with her lane of traffic, which she wants to move ahead in. And she thinks, I'm just going to click and those cars are going to disappear. And I just thought it was great. It didn't work for her. <laughs> but it was a great idea. Thank you. Great story. Yes, we do funny things, but we also make our biggest life mistakes when we are semi-conscious or, God forbid, unconscious. And so what's to fix? What do we do differently? Eight years ago, when I was putting together some ideas of, okay, well, if you're single and you want to find your life partner, how do you do that? You know, all the self-help books that I saw were garbage. Just advice. How do you do that? I put together some ideas and I thought, you know what? Singles do dumb things. I've done dumb things when I'm single. I've fallen into trap after trap after trap, and I call them dating traps. And I made a list. And I came up with 12 of them. And in the years since, I came up with two more. So there's 14 dating traps. And these are what we do when we are semi-conscious. Traps like the marketing trap. We don't think we're acceptable as we are, so we think we have to market ourselves and look like a new and improved version. You know, look at personal ads. You pretty much can tell a personal ad that is authentic and a personal ad that is marketing hype. Most of them are marketing hype. Other traps, like, oh, the sex trap. Have sex with somebody and then boom, instant couple. Or the love trap. Wow, I feel so in love. It must be real. It must be meant to be. Or the rescue trap. You are not happy with your life. You think a relationship is going to rescue you from that. You're going to live happily ever after. And then when you get in one, your problems multiply instead of disappear. Oh, on and on and on. 
unconscious things that singles do that I've done. Oh, one of my favorites for me is the codependent trap. This is when you don't feel like you deserve love for being who you are. You need to help. You need to find somebody who needs you. You need to be needed. That's, that's me. That's mine. I own it. The day to mate trap. Imagining that, okay, dating is how we find our life partner, right? So I'm going to date somebody, and we're going to be a couple, and we're going to have sex, and then we're going move to get, move in together, and then we're going to get married. That's how it works, right? Well, actually, no. Dating doesn't work. That's called the date to mate trap. So what does work? When I formulated these things, I first thing I did is I put it into an audio tape. This is before CDs. I put it into an audio tape and I called it Finding the Love of Your Life and the Life that You Love. And I gave away this tape to every single that I would meet. I, was have, I had a weekly singles event, and still do. It's still going on in Campbell. Weekly, every Friday night. Every Friday night, everybody knew. I gave them the tape. And people were coming back to me and saying, thank you so much for that tape. It saved my life. It's in my car. I must have listened to it 12 times. And you know what? I hear your voice in my head saying, be the chooser, be the chooser. Out of this whole tape, out of all these ideas and concepts and dating traps and principles, that was the one thing that stuck. Be the chooser. So that's what I want you to be tonight, Your Majesty. Kings and queens to be the chooser. Now how do you, how do you be the chooser? Three steps. And I remember them with AIM, A-I-M. A, be aware that you have choices. You're never stuck. You always have choices. Be aware you have choices. Step two, identify your choices. There are always more choices than what's right in front of you. Always. If you don't like the choices you're seeing, identify more. Step three, make productive choices. Identify the choice that is going to be the best for you long term. Now we are choice making machines. We make a choice every nanosecond of the day. How many of those choices are we clear about the long term consequences of those choices? Every choice is like a domino. You line up the dominoes, you tip the first one, the last one is going to fall. You know it. But you might not be aware of it, you might not be looking at it. But it's going to fall. You have sex randomly today, something's going to happen tomorrow. You get married today, something's going to happen tomorrow, and the next day and the next day after that. There are long-term consequences to your choices, so make the most productive choice that you can. So AIM, be aware you have choices, identify your choices, and make productive choices. Now, it sounds easy. It's simple, but it's not that easy. But you know what? I want to prove to you tonight that you can do it, that anybody can do it. I want to prove it. And the way I prove it, I have seven things that when you put them together, they mean that you absolutely can be the chooser. You can do it. These seven things, they are completely doable. Some are attitudes, some are actions. And I remember these seven things 
when I'm giving seminars on this, because I don't like to use notes, I remember these seven things by the acronym CRAP GAP. CRAP GAP. So these are the seven things. I want to prove to you that you can be the chooser. The C in CRAP GAP stands for be creative. There are always more choices than you can think of at any one time. You can be creative and identify choices that you can't even think of or couldn't even have imagined. Chances are the best choice for you is going to be the one that, that is just brilliant, that you can't think of. Maybe you brainstorm, maybe you get advice from a friend, maybe you do some research, maybe you sit on it for a while. There are rarely any emergencies, rarely. Typically, you can you know, hang with it a while until you come up with the best choices for you. So be creative about your choices. Now, do you think you can be creative? Are you capable of doing that? Can you do it if you want to? If you can, say, you bet. You bet. Excellent, thank you. Now, the R in crap cap stands for be a risk taker. Now, I know it's hard. We're scared, we don't want to fail, but you know what? We learn by falling down. We really do. And so if we avoid, try to avoid failure, we're not going to accomplish anything in our life. In order to be successful, we must be willing to take a risk. So the R in crap gap stands for be a risk taker. And you know what? It's not personal. It's not about you. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you're trying. So the R in crap gap stands for be a risk taker. Are you capable of that? Could you do it if you want to? If so, say, you bet. Excellent. Thank you. Now, the first A in crap gap stands for be assertive. And that means ask for what you want, say no to what you don't want. Now, we, most of us, find this challenging and we need to, to, we need to put effort into it, we need to put thought into it. You know, we cringe, we go to counseling, we go to therapy, we talk to our best friends because it's hard for us to be assertive. But when it's important, you can and you do. You're capable of being assertive. What do you think? Right, can you be assertive if you can say, you bet? All right. So the P in crap gap stands for, the first P stands for be proactive. Being proactive means you take initiative, you go after what you want. You don't just wait for it to come to you. You know, here you are tonight, you're being proactive. You're not at home watching television. You're not stuck in a bad relationship. You're here. You're being proactive. I know you're capable of that. What do you think? Can you do that? Say, you bet. You Wonderful. Okay. So we got the crap out of the way. Now the G in crap gap stands for be goal oriented. To be successful in your life, you have clearly identified goals and you pursue them vigorously. If you want to be successful, you be goal-oriented. Now, do you think you can do that? No. Yeah. You bet. The second A in crap gap stands for assume abundance. Now, when we come from a scarcity mindset, it guarantees failure, guarantees. If you're scared, oh my God, it's not going to happen for me. There's not enough happiness to go around. There's not enough women to go around. The, the guy I'm looking for isn't out there. 
If you come from scarcity, guarantee you will fail. And you know what? When you assume abundance, all the opportunities and resources that I need will come to me. When you assume abundance, you know what? It happens. You open up. You be receptive. You see them. When you are, come from a scarcity mindset, you don't even see them. You don't assume they're even there. Hallelujah! Ted, Ted's got it. He's with me. Okay, so the last P in Crap Gap. We covered be creative, be a risk taker, be assertive, be proactive, be goal-oriented, be assertive. And you told me you can do all that. You said you bet, right? Okay. The last P... I love you guys. <laughs> the last P in crap cap stands for be positive. Be positive. Oh, you, you thought you guessed it, huh? Just be positive. And to me what that means is always assume success. Always. Always assume that I'm an optimist. The glass is always half empty. I will try and I will try and I will try again. I've been married and divorced twice. I gave up after that. I really did. But part of me didn't want to. And it gave me the third opportunity that is to charm. So, be passionate. Ooh. <laughs> No. Now I got to go back and rewrite my book. So, that's my version of Crap Gap. Those are seven things that you said that you can do, you have control over, you can do. By the way, can you be positive? Excellent. So, I've proven it. We have proven it that we can be the chooser, your majesty, kings and queens of the Santa Cruz Single Convention. You know, in Life's Little Instruction Book, H. Jackson Brown said, choose your life's mate carefully. From this one decision will come 90% of all your happiness or misery. True. Khalil Gibran said, we choose our joys and sorrows long before we experience them. We choose our joys and sorrows long before we experience them. And there's another guy, I'm not going to tell you who he is right away, but he said this, Your life is the sum result of all the choices you make, both consciously and unconsciously. If you can control the process of choosing, which we've done with our seven things, right? You, if you can control the process of choosing, you can take control of all aspects of your life. You can find the freedom 
that comes from being in charge of yourself. I'm going to say that one more time. Your life is the sum result of all the choices you make, both consciously and unconsciously. If you can control the process of choosing, you can take control of all aspects of your life. You can find the freedom that comes from being in charge of yourself. Robert Bennett, a Republican center, senator from Utah, said that. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, kings and queens, the royalty of the Santa Cruz Singles Convention, the one thing I want you to remember today, be the chooser. You've been listening to David Steele giving the keynote speech at the Santa Cruz Singles Convention, recorded on November 5th, 2005. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our email address is comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day. <laughs>